Hello, you are listening to Omnitalk's Retail Fast Five, brought to you in partnership with the AM Consumer and Retail Group, Avalara, Williot, TGW, and Sezzle. Ranked in the top 10% of all podcasts globally and currently ranked number one podcast in all of retail by Feedspot, the Retail Fast Five is the podcast that we hope makes you feel a little smarter, but most importantly, a little happier each week too, especially today, February 14th, 2024, Valentine's Day. I'm your host, Anne Mazinga. And I'm Chris Walton. And we are here once again to discuss the most important headlines from the past week that highlight how the physical, digital, and human elements of retail are coming together to shape the future. Chris, happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day to you, Anne. You, do you celebrate the holiday? Uh, normally, yes, but uh, as people are probably already aware, my I'm a little bit under the weather today, so my voice oh. is a little uh, Kathleen Turner, a little Jessica Rabbitish. So, uh, Ooh, you know, maybe that's more Valentine's Day. Yeah, like, you right. You sound more sultry. Right. Like, yeah. you should record messages for all your Valentines today. Yeah, I'm not a bad podcaster, and I'm just drawn that way, right? <laughs> like that's the line from from uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. But uh, oh but yes, what, but what what are, what are your plans, Ann? Do you have any big plans? I'm 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 going to bed as soon as the day is over tonight. That's that's uh, basically sums up how I'm feeling. Well, yes, um, Mr. Omnitak and I go for our very romantic eye oh, exams right. together every oh. Valentine's Day. It just so happens that every year it falls on Valentine's Day, and we get to go see our favorite. Dr. Lee Joy, who's always, I feel like that's such a nice name. And we just go, you know, make sure that we can still see next year. So you can still look into each other's eyes lovingly. And that's that's, right. That's that's right. That's a good, good thing to do that will carry you into old age together. I I, I I like it. I like it. I I sure hope so too. I sure hope so. But it sounds like a fun, it sounds like a little fun, uh, uh, annual thing that you guys do, but, uh, yes. All right. So, uh, let's, let's get this show started today. And, uh, cause I don't know how long I'm going to last. Let's, uh, do we have any good ideas? We do Chris. So yesterday we dropped, I mean, what is feeling like one of the hottest pieces of content that we put out, we sat down with the experts. Yes, at AM Retail uh, and Consulting Group. And we talked to John Clear and David Schneiman there to rehash their thoughts of our store tour video um, at Schnooks. We, I've heard from so many people on this. If you want to check it out, you should. Please go directly to the homepage of Amitop.blog. You can visit our YouTube page at Amitok, or sorry, at youtube.com slash Amitok Retail, or we live streamed it this morning on LinkedIn. So you can check it out on our Amitok LinkedIn page. Yeah. And, and I didn't tell you this, but uh, yeah. after we released it last night um, or yesterday, Dave Steck from Schnooks, you know, our, our buddy, he he called me up and I was like, oh God, what's he going to say? What's oh, he going to say about- I talked to him too. Did you? Did yeah. you? Yeah. And he was like, he's like, it's the best podcast I've seen or listened to in a long time. So he was really appreciative of the commentary and thought the expertise that John and David both brought really added an element to it. So yeah, so I think ultimately I'm I'm really proud of it. What do you say to you? Yeah, he, uh well we talked about a multitude of things, you know. We talked about whether or not we should start a Instagram video site based on self-checkout. I will talk about that a little bit later in the episode, but uh we also were talking about the similar things, just like how important it is. We we talked a little bit about what may or may not be happening with the caper cart launch. So we'll have to stay oh, yeah. close on stay that close one to, that. to yeah. see what's going on. But that's what yeah, I got really... a little intel on that too. Yeah. I can't wait I to know. see what's going to happen there. Tease, tease, tease. Yes, tease. Um, but one more piece of content that we have coming up, Chris, on February 21st, next week at 1 p.m. Eastern, we have Dematics Kim Baudry back on 
the show to make her third appearance with us and her first ever live appearance, I might add, as she discusses the trends that are shaping supply chain networks for both retailers and CPGs. It's going to be such a good conversation. She has so much knowledge. She drops every single time she comes on with us. So make sure to register for that. Head to the LinkedIn page, go to the events section for Omnitech Retail and get signed up now, Chris. Should we go yes, to the Anne. headlines? Yes, you want, should we do the show? Let's do the show, Anne. Yes, and yes. of course, today's headlines are brought to you by Shop Talk because guess what started today, Anne? What? Do you have any idea? I bet you don't. As of this morning, thousands of registered Shop Talk attendees have started completing their meetup profiles, Anne. They're getting Ooh. ready for Meetup Selections Week taking place the week after next from February 26th to March 1st. Meetup Selections Week is when everyone's profiles are revealed to other attendees. It's kind of like, you know, it feels like a game show or something like the I know the, the it's big like reveal, out, right? Yeah. Fill out your dating app for, and then right. you fill out your meetups app. Like just make right. sure you don't cross any of that content. You know, we don't want to see any fish pictures in your profiles, your meetups. Right, right. So Meetup Selection Week is when everyone's profiles are revealed to other attendees and everyone will start picking who they're interested in meeting with at the show. When all is said and done, it results in a mind-boggling, and this is crazy, 75,000 plus meetings at Shop Talk next month. I don't know how they do this, honestly, operationalize it. It's crazy. It's here. It's real. It's happening right now as we speak, and it's high time for you, our listeners, to get in on the action. And by the way, if you don't know what Meetup is by now... It is an integral part of Shop Talk. They launched it last year and people loved it. More than 90% of meetings were rated positively. Nobody else does this. It's completely unique to Shop Talk and it's a true game changer in how networking works at events like this. Go check it out on their website to learn more. While you're there, we highly recommend you grab your ticket and create a profile so you're ready for retail's best show of the year. Retailers and brands, don't forget, we say it every week, but you can use code OmniTalk to save an extra 10% off current rates. Just head to shoptalk.com slash US and book your ticket right after you get done listening to the podcast or better yet, and stop what you're doing and register right now. We hit will pause. still be here when you get back. Yes, yes. hit pause, go register because it's going to be one hell of a show this year. All right. In today's Fast Five, we've got news on Aquila, Aquila and whoa, Aquila and the B. Ikea rolling out its own version of Gen AI personalization. Safeway putting up receipt, receipt scanning gates at self-checkout. Receipt, wow. Uh, Tang, Tanger outlets going big into full-price beauty. Spartan Nash expanding shelf scanning robots to more stores. And Avalara's Chris Rabidou stops by for five insightful minutes on the big retail tax changes to be on the lookout for in 2024. But we begin today with big news out of Target. And please, for the love of God, take I will it away save you. I, feel like I will save you. Coming on. Come sail away with me. I will just, I'll take this on for you. Uh, that is right, Chris. Target is reportedly weighing a new paid membership program akin to Amazon Prime and Walmart Plus. According to Bloomberg, the project titled Project Trident internally could all could launch as soon as this year as a retailer looks for a way to reduce its recent sales declines and could also include shipped the delivery business it acquired years ago. Chris, um, whether you're ready for it or not, this is also the A&M put you on the spot question. Um, of course it is, right off the get-go. It is, right. it is. Stop your coughing fits because the A&M Consumer and Retail Group wants to know if Target's paid membership 
program announcement is a signal that these programs are becoming a competitive table stakes among this peer group mm. or does target have a chance to differentiate here based on any unique properties or partnership opportunities? Chris, the wow. floor is yours. Wow. There's a lot of nuance in that question. I think, you know, ultimately in how, how I think about that. Um, you know, what initially comes to mind for me is I don't, I don't think it's a signal, a signal of table stakes. And um, I'm curious what you think, but I actually think it could be a signal that membership programs like this could be actually losing their steam ultimately as mm -hmm. a point of differentiation. I mean, I think we said a while back, I don't remember what show it was, but we had kind of asked the question, like, why do you even need a prime membership anymore? Right. You remember that? Yeah. Yeah. And because the hook for me, I was thinking about this last night. The hook for me is the Amazon prime video, right? And for Walmart plus, I imagine it's the Paramount plus feature, probably the mm -hmm. gas discounts as well, but it isn't the expectation of shipping speed. In my opinion, maybe a little bit with same day and Walmart plus, you know, relative to Amazon, but not with Amazon anymore. So it actually makes me question Amazon a lot, but so for that reason, I think ultimately, I think it's hard for Target to do this right because you're yeah. going to have to get your core demographic where there's a great overlap with Amazon and Walmart already to fork over another $100 a month when those two options already exist. So, and the other thing is it's, it flies squarely in the face of expect more, pay less as your brand promise, you know, yeah. unless you figure out the hook. And so that's a big question to me. What's the hook going to be? Is it a Disney Plus membership that's free, an Apple Plus membership that's free? You partner with someone like 7-Eleven to give you gas discounts whenever you stop by there. You know, I don't know, but but because it's a subscription program, how you create that marketing hook really matters. And so net net, I I don't know. I just I'm I'm curious to see where where this goes. I think it'll be a litmus test for the new marketing team. But at the end of the day, the thing about subscription programs, they're a pretty easy thing to trial. They're pretty low risk. At the end of the day, you get somebody to fork over hundred dollars a month. You know, like anybody you get to do that, it just falls for the most part to the bottom line because you're not really doing anything differently as right. long as the unit economics work. So that's another important element here too. So so maybe it's not table stakes, but it's like the convergence of everyone's just going to do it because it's just from a business standpoint, not that hard to do. Yeah, I, I'm really curious too, Chris. And one thing that when we brought this headline up um, when we were out at Manifest last week is you talked about, you were the one too, who said like, what does this mean for red card holders? And I think that yeah. that's still like a really powerful component of this. And red card has meant extra benefits in the past for target customers. It's meant free shipping in the past. It's meant all of these things. So what happens like for, from all the benefits that are already starting to decline for red card holders, like you, you have to have meet a minimum $35 shipping threshold now, and you didn't have to do that before. Right. Like there's all these things starting to be taken away. And so like, what does that look like then? And what does that do to your red card membership that I would imagine is still a very valuable part of targets revenue stream from its customers. So I, I think you're right in that it, you know, testing this kind of program isn't, isn't, there's nothing wrong with testing that just to see what happens, but it feels a little too late for me for target to come in on this. And the last thing I would say too, is, yeah. you know, when you're, I think it's a fair point to say, we don't know what the perks are. So it's hard yeah. to comment on this until we know yeah, what the value 100%. proposition is and knowing target, they'll try to bring as much value to make this competitively differentiated. Mm -hmm. But 
Target is beloved by its customers because of the store experience too. Like I still Mm -hmm. think that's a really, Mm -hmm. that's what differentiates them from Mm -hmm. Walmart and certainly from Amazon. And so I think that how do you translate that into better experiences also that make it worthwhile? Like, are there access to drops to events in store, which is an entirely new thing that Target's going to have to work on. Like there's just so much that goes into really leaning on Target's strengths. So I, I don't know about this Target. I hope that you, you prove us wrong and you come out with a bang here and that there's really there's something that will get me to kind of maintain that brand love and continue to have your customers maintain that brand love enough so that they're willing to pay a hundred dollars a year for a membership. Yeah. That's a really good point too. I hadn't thought about that in a while, but when was the last time I'm asking you this now, like when was the last time a brand partnership really resonated with you that stood out? I feel like it's been like four or five years. Yeah. It's I been mean, a long time. Enough to get you to into a store for like the drop, I guess. Like that's yeah. the, that's for me the the question. So yeah, so yeah, so yeah, so the 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 test is on for the target marketing team here to figure this out if they end up doing it. But yeah, there's there's a lot of things to figure out if you're going to do this right. All right, number two, IKEA has launched a new AI assistant which leverages generative AI capabilities to deliver highly personalized furniture and decor suggestions based on factors such as room dimensions, personal style, sustainability preferences budget and functional requirements. According to Chain Storage, the tool available on the OpenAI GPT store for US consumers enables users to articulate their specific home design needs in conversational language and received, receive customized recommendations. For instance, a customer could say, quote, show me a cozy living room layout for a small apartment with the use of sustainable materials, and." IKEA tends to roll out the app in more markets where ChatGPT is available during the year. And my question for you, coming off of yes. last week's Apple Vision Pro discussion, is this a better, more pragmatic way for IKEA to accomplish what Lowe's was trying to do last week? Absolutely. This is, I think, yes. this is a brilliant use case of this technology. And by the way, just a little personal drop. This is going to keep IKEA in the running for me for retailer of the year two years in a row. I think they are wow. keeping strong down with all IKEA. the with all the digital efforts they're making this year with all the. Uh, pick um the plan and pick stores that they have that are going to be yeah. launching throughout the the year this year. Look, I have always envied people who can shop IKEA or Wayfair for that matter or any of these mass market furniture stores because it is a true talent to be able to find these things and like have you ever gone to somebody's house where they're like, "Oh, that's an IKEA bookshelf" or "That's this and I just did, you know, I just jazzed it up a little bit with some paint or new handles or something." Has that ever happened to you or do you Yeah, just... for sure. No, yeah. yeah. I'm a big I'm a believer I'm a big believer in like value furniture and 100%. Yes. yes. So like I think that this allows the average person like me to see a catalog image from IKEA and to talk to my screen or type into the the uh, GPT feature to just be like, okay, my room, my color scheme is orange, blue, and brown. Like, how do you add this to this image and change the image in front of me? And then I just add all those products directly to my cart. Like, this is brilliant. I mm-hmm. absolutely love this. And I think it'll be cool too, to see how it evolves. You know, if they can put, if I can start uploading images of my home into this or other inspirational images that I like, and then be able to like have Ikea use, you know, computer vision to find those Ikea like products or like the steel versus splurge of the products that I like in a image I saw on Instagram or something like that. But you worked in furniture, you've outfit your house in these things. You guys have a great style. What, what do you think of this 
this capability from Ikea. Yeah, I mean, that that is an important point. I mean, I think I've said this on the show before, but I'll reiterate it. When I took over the job of, of heading up home furnishings for Target.com, the first thing I did was I outfitted my entire house because I just moved into a house. And I made the rule that all the new furniture we had to get was from Target.com. So I had my design team and my merchandising team helping me with this. And so the reason cool. for it was I wanted yeah. to see what was good about our experience, what products we had and carried, and what products we didn't carry to create a legitimate home furnishings position in the marketplace. And so, and I think with that said, in that background, I think I love what you're hitting on here. I think, I, I think it's brilliant. I mean, I was, I was thinking about it as you said it to me, you know, in preparation for the show, home furnishings lends itself to this kind of thing, more so this conversational yes. dialogue thing more than, than other categories, I think. So if, like, I'll use my example, like I want a yellow rug. I want it an eight by 10. I want it with yeah. a low cut pile. Now I'll throw some coordinating pillows on top of that for my navy blue couch. Yeah. It just makes shopping for furniture so much easier. Uh, and so like when you think about it that way, like all the offshoots of all the things we talked about last week with Lowe's, like you could still use it to design your room. It can be two-dimensionally. I don't need to put ski goggles on again to do this. That's where this is going. So like or spend forty five hundred dollars. <laughs> Like yeah, you're doing it right. on your mobile phone. Right. Right. A hundred percent. And the other part about, which is key, because that was the last point I was going to bring up is like, if you start adding budget criteria into the conversational search dynamics of this too, yes. then it becomes really interesting. Like, okay, what are my options? And it tells you if you're out, if it tells you if you're even in the ballpark too, like sometimes you can try to outfit your house and be like, I want to do it on this budget. Then be like, no way the hell that's going to happen. Right. You can yeah. be too too stringent. So, or you got to look for some different type of options, like go to, you know, go to secondhand stores or that type of thing or garage sales or whatnot. But, um, but yeah, for those reasons, I think, I think it's an absolutely, it's a smart play because of how furniture works, which is very different than, you know, CPGs or how Amazon or Walmart have been positioning the chat GPT, you know, search capabilities or the, maybe not even chat GPT, but the generative AI search capabilities as well. Yeah. Well, you bring up just in closing, I think you bring yeah. up just one excellent use case alone. Like when you went to outfit your house, you probably had a budget in mind of like, we 100%. need to, we need to outfit this house or this apartment for, you know, under $5,000. Where else can you do that right now? Where else mm -hmm. can you have a computer in a second produce an image or a setup of furniture for you with that parameter alone? And the other really interesting player in this space as we talk about it is Google. And I'm excited because I've been prepping for my interview with them on stage at Shop Talk this year. We're yeah. doing the keynote with their, with one of their leaders on uh, the stage at, on Monday morning. So everyone there should check it out. But yes, Google has even more power to do this because they yes. can show you what's not just at Ikea, but what's at everywhere under your budget, which really tells you then if you're, if you're smoking in terms of your budget, right? Like yeah. if you want to outfit your room for a thousand dollars and you come back and like everything in the world is showing you, it's like not going to happen. Like yeah. you got to come up with plan B, right? But right. that's super helpful and super useful, which is very different than like, Hey, I need, you know, I need, I need tide, you know, or something right. like that. You right. Know? I don't right. Know. Uh, all right, Chris, let's go into headline number three. Safeway is rolling out receipt scanning gates at more stores. According to grocery dive, the gates, which have been used at several San Francisco area stores since at least last summer, arrived at select locations in the Washington, D.C. area, according to local news reports. And in a statement, Albertson's Safeway's parent company said that the gates are part of a, quote, long planned security improvements, end quote, that are aimed at protect preventing theft. Chris, 
what do you think about the security gates at checkout? I love it. I mean, I've, yeah. I've, we've, I've, I mean, we've talked on the show a lot. I, I'm a big believer in controlled exit points when you start talking about these types of technologies, like these self-checkout technologies, whether through a traditional self-checkout machine, a scan-and-go operation, even as we're seeing you know, Amazon pivot to and others, even like the just walkout experiences, having a controlled exit point versus a controlled entry point, I think are, is so valuable. But I'd say there's two main, two huge reasons I like it in addition to that. One is- yeah. We've seen this in Europe. I mean, I think we were in the Netherlands last year and they asked us to do this, right? So yeah. and, and Europe's, Europe's always, we said it before, it's, they're always 10 years ahead of us, right? Mm -hmm. And so if it's working over there, it probably needs to be brought over here. And then the second part I like about it is, you know, this is probably going to make a dent in self-checkout shrink and theft because- Without a doubt. I got news yes. for you, folks. It's not organized crime. It's it's mm -hmm. average Joe and Jane Scanner, who are having an impact here, right? We, we talked about it with the Everseen statistics, right? And and the average person now is, it, it seems like, is like, hey, you know what? I want a little taste. I want a little yeah. taste. I want a little freebie. I'm going to take, I'm going to take advantage of it. I feel like I deserve it. And putting a gate at the end of that experience with a receipt check is going to stop it. The other thing it stops too, is it stops a person that just wants to walk out of the, the area, yeah. right? Like they yep. just want to come out of the area and leave and that makes that really hard too so net net i think it's gonna have uh, a pretty big impact but uh what do you think yeah i agree i mean to your point it keeps theft and shrink at a minimum even if it's just the physical like psychological deterrent of now there's a gate i can't just walk out of here and take whatever i want with me but i also think that the important thing to keep in mind too is that this should help retailers with some inventory visibility i mean i've dug into this a little bit and that's why costco and sam's club started doing receipt checks at the exit in the first place was to make sure that that package of toilet paper that that customer is walking out with is in fact leaving the store at that time. Like that's the type of thing that they're checking for. So if now you have a receipt check, like it's a, is, is it another point where you can verify that that product left your store, that it's not just hidden or left in the store somewhere, misplaced somewhere in the store. Um, and lastly, you know, I think I posted this from my experience at Walgreens on the strip where, you know, somebody's got to oh, unlock right. the beef jerky for me. Yeah, right. Like crazy. That is not going to be consistent. I think this is exactly what we're going to start to see more and more of at stores, grocery stores, drug stores, mass mar uh, merchant stores, like you name it. I think we're going to start to see this controlled exit happening in many more places. Yeah, the other point I would add on to what you said is com the computer vision element here too. Like whether you have computer vision over the self-checkout machine or computer vision at the receipt yes. check like Sam's Club is doing as well to help with inventory accuracy. You combine those two elements, then you start to make some really sweet music here. You know, as technologies like Everseen get more sophisticated and can alert people, the alert to sales associates in real time of what actions to take. So, so yeah, there's a lot of dynamics here. I just think it, it just seems like it's a no-brainer to me. All right. Well, let's take a quick five minute break and to talk about yes. tax collection. It is oh, that yay. time of year after all. Joining us now for five insightful minutes is Avalaris Chris Rabidou. Chris is the senior director and head of global strategic partnerships, where he oversees partnership strategy and go to market for e-commerce platforms and marketplaces. Chris is here to discuss Avalaris new report on the key changes for 2024 of which, and all of us retail executives, should be aware. Chris, welcome to the program. It's great to see you. Let's start with the obvious, sales tax. What changes should retailers be ready for when it comes to collecting sales tax this year? 
There's probably four key themes retailers should be paying attention for paying attention to in 2024. First, omnichannel compliance and the impacts it has on the taxability of your business. Of course, we all understand consumers love having the ability to shop for your inventory across multiple channels. Some are interested in buying in marketplace environments, while others are interested in buying in their social commerce platform. This is amazing and allows for retailers to deliver inventory to a consumer in their native environments. It does, however, create sales tax and use tax compliance issues for the retailer. It requires the retailer to now consolidate information across all of these platforms, um, which can be daunting. And it also creates you know, this frustration for businesses, right, to keep track of the data and the source of all of these these product taxability uh, components. Um, there's also the evolution of marketplace facilitation requirements. Mm. The taxes and fees that marketplace facilitators are responsible for continue to evolve and change, both at a state and local jurisdiction. So something to be very, very mindful of if you're a marketplace uh, business. Third, the supply chain and the impact inventory stock availability has on the taxation of businesses. With COVID, businesses were pulling inventory forward to ensure that they could deliver inventory to consumers either same day or next day. This was amazing for the user experience, but created taxation challenges for the business. All of that inventory that they brought in to meet same day or next day Timelines created taxability of that inventory within the state that is being warehoused for that business. So it creates mm-hmm. this complexity, right, for being able to super serve those, those consumers in a timely manner. Finally, you have the addition of new sales tax holidays, um, the retail delivery fee changes, and a host of other taxability rate changes. Yeah, Chris, talk a little bit more about that retail delivery fee, because I know as a Minnesotan, we're going to be hit with that this summer. Some states are doing it also. Tell us a little bit more about what retail executives should be anticipating there and what they might be explaining to their consumers. Minnesota on July 1st of this year is going to implement a 50 cent retail delivery fee, which will apply to the sale of most tangible goods that are above $100 that are sold in the state of Minnesota and that are subject to Minnesota state sales tax. Again, these retail fees are becoming more commonplace, both as a way to produce additional revenue for the state and as a way for the state to help combat environmental impact. In 2022, Colorado did the same thing with a similar delivery fee on tangible personal property that was delivered by vehicle to consumers in the state of Colorado. So Minnesota's not the only one to do this. Colorado's done it, and we're sure to see other states follow suit. You know, that that's the state level. What's happening at the local level? Are, are, should retailers expect more changes at the local level too when it comes to taxation? Well, there's 37 states today that really allow localities to charge sales tax on top of the state sales tax. Wow. These Local rate changes fall into a bunch of different categories, um, which make them really challenging to track and identify. You have special purpose districts or urban enterprise zones 
that create all kinds of local complexities for businesses. Uh, so again, yet yes, we will see a host of changes at that at that local level this year. Uh, before we let you go, are there any other big changes on the horizon when it comes to tax compliance that we haven't discussed yet? The really big ones that most retailers should be paying attention to. One is this emergence of re-commerce. It yes. could be your, your favorite fashion brand. It could be an automotive brand. But it's really this, this emergence of secondhand goods. Retailers that enter this re-commerce space should pay really close attention to the potential tax consequences that are associated. When you start combining 1P and 3P, first party and third party owned inventory, you start turning yourself into a marketplace. Marketplace have, marketplaces have marketplace facilitation requirements. They're responsible for remitting the sales tax on all tangible items that are sold through that platform. Important for you as a retailer to understand if you start crossing over the threshold into becoming a marketplace and then the complexities thus that surround marketplace facilitation. So re-commerce, definitely a big one. The second is the expansion of holiday uh, tax holidays. Um, a tax holiday essentially is the ability to not pay tax for a predetermined amount mm. of time. The implications of this are if you're selling inventory during that tax holiday, you don't have to remit sales tax. At the end of the year, if you aren't aware of these sales tax holidays or the longevity of the sales tax holiday, the taxation that you pay to the state or to the, the government could be off, which could impact right your business uh, as you file. Well, thank you, Chris. That was great. For those of you that enjoyed that discussion and want to learn more too, you can read Avalara's full report by clicking on the link available within today's episode's podcast description. All right, headline number four, Tanger Outlets is expanding its full-price beauty retail, is expanding into full-price beauty retail to drive shoppers into its off-price centers. According to Glossy, always a fun word to say, Glossy, my favorite magazine. Do we need to get you more lip balm or something? Like you, I, you're into the Glossy or lips, glo lip gloss? It's so Glossy. I feel yes. so Glossy today. Yes, yes. Tanger Inc., which owns and operates 38 off-price outlet shopping centers across the U.S. and Canada, is leveraging its growing beauty retailer business to bring shoppers into its outdoor malls. This includes adding full-price stores like Ulta Beauty and Bath & Body Works, to better compete with local discount department stores like TJ Maxx and Ross. And it's part of a larger expansion of entertainment, dining, and specialty offerings at the centers to help draw in crowds. In total, Tanger has opened more than 40 new beauty and wellness-focused stores, both full and off-price, in its outdoor centers in the past two years. That's pretty impressive. And you and I both wanted to talk about this headline this week, but we didn't explore it with each other at all prior to this show. So what stood out to you about this headline? I'm curious where your head is at. Okay. Well, a couple of things. First, Chris, I feel like I have to ask you this to see if I, if this is just like Ann Mazinga party of one, but when you have shopped outlet malls, is it, is it just like a, Hey, it's Saturday. I'm going to go to the outlet mall or has it been like an occasion trip for you? 
No, I that I think that's the key point here, which I think yeah. you're hitting. I think I know where you're going with this. Like, no, it has never been it has never been a deliberate like stopping for me. It's usually for right. me, it's usually like when I'm traveling or something like that. And yes. It's on the highway. But yes. I, there have been times where if you want to go shop the outlet malls, my family has done that when they've come into Vegas or something and we've gone right. shop the outlet mall. So right. yes, but keep going. Right. It's like it's like on the billboard of every airport that you go to, like drive out 50 miles to the outlet mall and get your favorite brands, blah, blah, blah. blah. And so I think that because outlet mall shopping has always been like an occasion trip, back to school, stock up, holiday, vacations, summer clothes shopping, you know, that kind of thing, that it's smart for Tanger to start getting into yeah. a more repeat business. Now, there is an outlet mall in San Clemente in California, Chris, that's always a stop. Like you said, vacation stop for us because there's, you know, Nike outlet, Lululemon, et cetera. But, yeah, this, right. la but this last time that I was there, I went to the gym there, not unbeknownst to me. Like I didn't know where this gym was. And I was like, huh, they're putting a gym in the outlet mall. But what did I find after I took that class, me and the 20 plus other people that were over there, they went to Starbucks. They went and tried yeah. out a new, a new pair of shoes. Like this has changed now because you're putting a high frequency spot in that outlet mall that demands, you know, a repeat visit once a week or a couple times a, a month. Now you're changing the dynamic and you're opening up that shopping experience is so much more. I mean, I, th I think you look at some of the data that we're seeing from Ulta, you know, Ulta and Target doubling the trips for, for people doubling or increasing basket size, Kohl's seeing a 90% surge in year over year sales. Once they put Sephora in for those high frequency items, yeah, no doubt. it makes sense to start making this move. Last point I'll say when it comes to buying makeup, I don't feel comfortable shopping for makeup in a outlet setting because it means it's old it, yeah. or it didn't work. Like this is a brilliant, brilliant thing to put into these, this occasion of full price makeup store, because you do want the full price makeup. I don't want whatever's been sitting on shelves for a year and a half. That's, that's not going to work for me. Yeah. And that's what I'm always dubious about outlet malls. Like even that outlet mall you just talked about in San Clemente, like I went to Lululemon and I bought a, a shirt and I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. And I got it home. I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Now I understand why this is on outlet. Right. I mean, you just get it, you know, it's just, it's just the way it works. And so it just didn't define your pecs like you wanted it to Chris. Yeah, is yeah. that what <laughs> mission impossible ad mission impossible. Um, but no, I mean, so yeah, that is kind of the thing. Of, but you can all, but you can find gems. It's kind of the treasure hunt thing, which is what the headline alluded to with the TJ Maxx and the Ross store thing yeah. as well. So, yeah, I love this. Is I love this. I love this headline because for me, it challenges convention. You know, it asks it asks what I think is a really legitimate question, which is why should an outlet mall only consist of outlet stores? Right. Right. You know, that's just yeah. how they've always been conceived. But why is that? Should they be that way? I think the answer is undoubtedly no. That means Especially there's lots when, of when outlets are coming into malls, like the regular malls now. Right. Like that's I didn't even think about that until you just said that. Right. I mean, so so I think I think it's just brilliant strategic thinking to challenge convention. I mean, and it's it's kind of like it's gonna be one of these questions, like, duh, why didn't we do that? When we look back on this five to ten years from now. So and the other point I think, which you were kind of teasing a little bit, and the headline teased it too, the outlet malls. Where they are, now there aren't that many of them according to the headline, but where they are, they're kind of a better one-stop shop than Target or Walmart, honestly. And well, they have better brands too. Your brands are more accessible as well. Is that what you were going to say? Well, I was just saying, certainly for people that live in and around those areas. I yes. think outlet malls used to be this like far off destination. And now that the developing of cities has, you know, that sprawling 
urban development is happening. Like this is a great opportunity for the people living in those communities in and around these outlet malls. So, so it I makes mean, me, so what does that mean? What goes in there next, Dan? I mean, grocery, like that's where, that's where this goes next, right? You get a grocery experience in there, you know, in the right way, potentially, or some type of, you know, commodity driven business in addition to beauty that gets the yeah. traffic there. So I think, I think you just got to let that sink in. Like, and, yeah. and what does it mean for the landscape? I think it's really interesting. Something we should get Ethan to talk about at Place to AI to potentially yes. look at outlet malls for us. You know, the next time we have him on the show, it'd be cool. Love that. All right. Speaking of grocery, let's get into headline number five. Spartan Nash is rolling out its Simbi robot to more than 60 stores, Chris. According to Progressive Grocer, Spartan Nash initially launched Simbi's Tally robot at 15 of its stores in May of last year and will now deploy the robots at 60 additional stores throughout Spartan Nash's Midwest footprint. Spartan Nash is leveraging Simbi's store intelligence platform, which offers real-time inventory insights across the store to inform product stocking, ordering, merchandising, and e-commerce fulfillment, allowing associates to ensure items are available for store guests with accurate location and price, and also freeing up their time for more customer-facing work. Chris, uh, we talked about our Schnucks uh, store tour video analysis with AM. Um, yeah. obviously hitting a nerve with people and the, uh, part of the reason I think why we picked this headline today. But what are your thoughts about Spartan Nash's big move here with Simbi? Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to make a prediction here, Anne. and predi predictions are oftentimes the most basis form of journalism, but I'm going to do it anyway. Ooh. And I'm going to say that 2025, not 2024, but 2025 will be the year of the robot in grocery stores throughout the United States. Oh, all right. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm putting it down. Mark it down now, everybody, because okay. you look at this. You look at Spartan Nash, Schnooks, Stop and Shop. They're all the early adopters, but the benefit and use benefits and use cases are becoming so clear. And the rollouts are now, if you watch them closely like we do, are now broadening out into new phases or are already moving chain-wide. So- so I think that means we're going to start to see robot people take a much harder look at robots here in the very near future. Because put simply, the computer vision, as we discussed with AM on yesterday's show, was it's the unlock. It's it's mm -hmm. the unlock that adds so much value through your operation. And with wage rates going up, staffing getting harder and harder, the trade-offs already appear to be there for many of the grocers that have jumped on board, and they get the punchline to the joke. And and that is important because they are understanding how to incorporate robots into their operation because i got another bold statement to make in oh, which is okay. if you've tried robots and haven't gotten the value from the experimentation with them that is likely a function of getting in your own way in my opinion yes or in or a function of your own very cumbersome internal processes that's what's happening because the value yeah. is there it's not a function of the robots themselves so i hope the people that have tried them in the past go back and revisit them. And I think they will. And that's why I think 2025 is going to be a big year for robots in the aisles. I love that, Chris. And look, I think that's the huge takeaway for the audience here. Like just because you tried robots three years ago, or you tried ESLs three years ago, or you tried X technology three years ago, does not mean that it's, it's one and done. Like you have to keep on evaluating this technology. We talked about this at nauseum on at NRF, like it's not one and done. You have to keep exploring how the technology has evolved, the roles that this robot can serve in the store. And I think, you know, my, one of my biggest takeaways that after listening back to the Schnooks video was what John Clear said about the, the employees in the store. I'm going back to that part, which you mentioned earlier, Chris, is that, you know, 
the, the, your best employees in the store are the ones that have to do this work that the robot is now able to take over or that ESLs are now able to take over. You can't just put a brand new associate on some of these tasks and have them done as well as the robots are able to do them. And so I think that it's really important that we focus on how we can ensure that your your limited staff, especially the best, hardest working staff that you have in stores, are being assigned to the best most customer facing, most impactful work in your store. And the ways to do that are by supplementing their day-to-day with robotics, with technology in store that can help them be the best at their job. And now, now my biggest question is we have a lot of regionals testing these. Who's yeah. going to be the first to roll these out? I I did that on purpose to roll out the robots. Uh, who's going to be the Good first big chain to roll out robots right. that we'll see yeah. in the U.S.? Yeah, do we see nationwide? I want to extend this argument a little bit too, Anne, because the ESL thing is really interesting. You brought it up too, because yeah. you talked about experimentation. Like the biggest eye-opener for me in the discussion we had about Schnooks, and this was um, complimented in my discussion with Dave Steck yesterday, which is important, I think, for everyone to hear, is that you can test things in the wrong place too. You can get false yes. negatives. So like with yes. ESLs particularly, the biggest thing I took away from that was when John said, they are really important when you look at your commodities, your traffic driving categories, your milk, your eggs. You're and fresh. Dave said that too. Dave said that too. He's like, Chris, people talk about raising prices for inflation, but yeah. deflation is actually more important. Being able to lower your prices quickly so you don't lose the loyalty of your customer when they realize that they're lower somewhere else and shop there instead. Yes. So for those that are interested in testing ESLs, I would be very thoughtful about what categories you test them in and make sure they're giving you the information you need to get the correct positive or negative results from your experimentation. So that's the last thing I would say. Yeah, I love that, Chris. And what so much passionate conversation today around retail. I mean, this was I know. every it's kind category. Of, it's was, kind of what we do, Anne. It's kind I guess of our so. signature. I guess you know? so. All right. Well, let's Passion. go into the let's go Passion. into the lightning round for our passionate Valentine's Day episode. Ooh, uh Chris let's get saucy. Yes, Tiger Woods, speaking of saucy, just signed oh, wow. an apparel yeah, and footwear deal. <laughs> just signed an apparel and footwear deal with TaylorMade following his recent split with Nike. What non-golf product would you most like to see Tiger be a spokesperson for? Oh man, that's easy. But before I ask that question, if you haven't watched the HBO special on Tiger Woods, it is one of the most saucy things I've ever watched in the history really? of my life. Oh my God. Yeah, remember I remember I watched it on the airplane. I told you about some oh, of the things he did. Like yes. the first hour, not worth watching. The second hour, oh my God, it's crazy. It's oh, awful. I gotta anyway, watch that one again. The answer for me is easily frosted flakes. I mean, come on, it's it's tailor made <laughs> yeah. for him, right? Hundred percent. So like, I'm surprised it I hasn't it. happened already. Right? I am like, too. I yeah, am it's, too. It's kind of a they're no brainer. Great. Uh, yeah, they're great, yes. right? All right, maybe he's done in the past. I don't remember. All right, Casey's recently hired someone as their first ever chief pizza and beer officer true story and how would you balance between pizza and beer what percent of your time if you were him would you devote to each of those areas how do i get this job first of all i, I know would just right? like to focus i mean it wouldn't be very healthy but it definitely would be a fun job okay uh let's see in all seriousness probably i would say like 70% pizza and 30% beer because Casey's, if people don't know, we learned, yeah. uh, is from talking to art Sebastian, that it's the fourth 
largest seller of pizza in the country. So, and because more people can consume pizza than beer, I guess, yeah, that's how I would break it out. 70% pizza, 30% beer. Yeah, I agree. It's more differentiating beer. You're kind of carrying what everybody else carries to a degree. You can differentiate it somewhat, but there's going to be the staples you have to have. I agree. That's kind of my percentage too. Um, Okay, Chris, if you could create your own customized box of conversation hearts, what's one saying that you'd want printed on one of those hearts? (laughs) Uh, well, if you know me well, I think mine would be, sorry, it's just gas. <laughs> you heard it, sweethearts. <laughs> let, let that one sink in, everybody. Let that one just sit there and marinate for a little bit, literally. Oh All right, and last one. Old El Paso and Cinnamon Toast Crutch are teaming up for a cinnamon-coated taco shell collaboration. What is your favorite thing you like to eat with a touch of cinnamon? Assuming you are not a tiger, of course, because tigers hate cinnamon, according to Zach Galifianakis in The Hangover. Oh, okay. Thanks to the reference point. I guess I forgot that very important line. Um, what would I what would I want to add a touch of cinnamon to? Um, probably coffee. I mean, I like oh, you a do good, cinnamon in your coffee, do you? Yeah, I like a good like that. Mexican coffee with like some huh. Yeah, my mother-in-law actually turned me on to it and she loves it. And yeah, it is a nice treat to have. You just got to be careful. Not too much cinnamon. Yeah. Or then it's like. Do you have to have milk in it too? Like, or, or I, you, I you like do it in to, the black? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. I've you tried can it do it in the black. It doesn't really too. add anything. Yeah. yeah. It, doesn't do, yeah. it doesn't really add much to me. So I've never like, it's never stuck with me. Okay. Interesting. I'm learning something. All right. Happy Valentine's Day. Birthday. Happy birthday today on Valentine's Day is what I meant yes. to say, Anne. Yes. To Rob Thomas. Simon Pegg, and the man I loved watching four Super Bowls in a row. Absolutely loved it. The Some might call him great, Jim Kelly. And remember, if you can only read or listen to one retail blog in the business, make it Omni Talk. The only retail media outlet run by two former executives from a current top 10 U.S. retailer. Our Fast Five podcast is the quickest, fastest rundown of all the week's top news. And our now daily newsletter tells you everything you need to know and takes just seconds to read Thanks, as always, for listening in. Please remember to like and leave us a review wherever you happen to listen to your podcast or on YouTube. You can follow us today by simply going to youtube.com slash OmniTalkRetail. And so until next week, on behalf of all of us at OmniTalk, as always, be careful out there. The OmniTalk Fast Five is brought to you in association with the A&M Consumer and Retail Group. The A&M Consumer and Retail Group is a management consulting firm that tackles the most complex challenges and advances its clients, people, and communities for their maximum potential. CRG brings the experience, tools, and operator-like pragmatism to help retailers and consumer products companies be on the right side of disruption. And Avalara. Avalara makes tax compliance faster, easier, more accurate, and more reliable for 30,000-plus businesses and government customers in over 90 countries. Avalara leverages 1,200-plus signed partner integrations to power tax calculations, document management, tax return filing, and tax content access. Visit avalara.com to improve your compliance journey. And Williot. Williot's ambient IoT visibility platform powered by battery-free Bluetooth tags eliminates scanning for real-time end-to-end inventory visibility. For more information, head to williot.com slash Omnitalk. And TGW, revolutionize your grocery supply chain with TGW. Their experts tailor automation solutions to your needs, ensuring you have the edge. Work with TGW before your competition does. Discover more at tgw-group.com. And Sezzle. Sezzle is an innovative buy now, pay later solution that allows shoppers to split purchases into four interest-free payments over six weeks. To learn more, visit Sezzle.com.